What's shaking, everybody? You're listening to Improv Tabletop, the Fate RPG actual play where we make up everything on the spot. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and today I'm joined by... Caleb Anderton, and I am so glad to be back. It's been forever. And I'm Heather, and I'm more excited than Caleb is. Nope. And Thomas, I'm a Muppet. <laughs> Thomas can take it or leave it. Thomas has been busy recording I Cast Fireball. He's he's full of podcasting. We've got a season one ending. Yeah, no, this is a ton of fun. I'm real happy to be here. It's been two years. That's crazy. Hey. Yeah, I'm very excited to have this group of people together. I think this is a perfect cast for the campaign that our patrons have selected for us, which is Pride and Prejudice and Puppets. Yes. We are combining Jane Austen with the Muppets. And it is going to be something else, I am sure. Give the people what they want. Exactly. And me, what I want. (laughs) Yeah, I already know that this is going to be exactly my mom's cup of tea. She loves Pride and Prejudice. She loves Heather. Heather, you are my mom's favorite cast member. Sorry, Thomas and Caleb, but my mom loves Heather more than you guys. Understandable. Doing this for you. W. Heather's a lot more lovable than I am. Tis <laughs> true. Agreed. Well, I mean, she married you, so. And I'm married up. And that should show you how lovable I am. There you go. <laughs> so we are going to start this off like we start off all of our campaigns with an ideation. We're going to tell some real stories from our real lives about our experiences with the Muppets and with Jane Austen with Pride and Prejudice. And we're going to put those all into a big old stew of ideas that we can pull from throughout the course of the campaign. So I will start us off. Uh, This ideation, if I may get very artsy and lofty, is kind of a bookend of my current cinematic experience, Uh, because possibly my first memory of watching a movie was Muppet Classic Theater, which was a direct-to-VHS retelling of six classic fairy tales by the Muppets. Uh, It came out very shortly after I was born, so that's some of my earliest movie memories. This really set the tone for me with Muppets throughout my entire life of like the Muppets, what they do best, like they have their own stuff. That's great. But what they do best is their adaptations of existing properties. And I love just like the amount of irreverence that they treat the stories that they retell. Like there is a respect and an honor for the story that comes before, but there's the fourth wall breaking. There's the parts where they point out and they like make jabs at the absurdities of the story and like the various plot holes and whatnot. It reminds me of uh, one of our friends, Harrison Prue, uh, who we did improv with back in the day. Every so often I would have conversations with him where we'd just be like, okay, this Shakespeare play, uh, Hamlet, if we were going to cast that with the Muppets, who would be what? Yeah. And we would just like go down these rabbit holes of like, okay, this person's going to be Claudius, etc. This person's going to be the human cameo because you always got to have at least one or two humans who are actually people in your Muppet adaptation. Mm-hmm. So grew up really loving the Muppets. And then on the other end, like I said, this is kind of a bookend of my current cinematic experience because the most recent film I have watched as of this recording is Pride and Prejudice, the 2005 Kira Knightley adaptation. So interestingly enough, I really, really, really disliked Jane Austen for a lot of my youth growing up, in part because it was like, that was something that my mom and my sisters absolutely loved to watch. And when they were watching Jane Austen, that meant I couldn't be watching, you know, the cyber chase or Zoom or whatever else was playing on PBS Kids after I got home from school. But also because I was a profoundly unromantic young man. Um, I actively avoided going on dates until the senior year of high school. 
I just had like zero interest in it. So my parents are, wa well, my mom and my sisters are watching these Jane Austen stories and I'm like, I have zero relation with this. I cannot <laughs> connect with these people at all. Um, a fun little anecdote while I'm thinking about it, about my unromanticness growing up. So when I first met Heather, uh, we were acting in a little directing scene for one of the directing classes together. And we got cast to play an elderly Jewish couple in the show. Mm. And, you know, Heather's doing a great job. She's been in the department for a while. This is like my first experience performing in this theater department. And uh, at one point she's like, Ned, you're being so stiff. You act like you've never held a woman's hand before. And I'm like, well, I never have held a woman's hand before. <laughs> so if that uh, gives you any, like a little bit of deep lore context into uh, Ned's history. But I've I've slowly and steadily been starting to get to the point where like every so often I would get a little bit more Jane Austen and be like, okay, maybe this is okay. Like we read Sense and Sensibility in one of my classes. Uh, I don't remember much about the story because I was under the duress of it being an assignment and needing to read it very quickly with all of my other homework and stuff going on. Uh, one of the culminations of my Jane Austen experience was the first play that Caleb and I were cast in together was Northanger Abbey. Heck yes. Uh, by Jane Austen, a stage adaptation of that story, which, okay, this is going to be a little diversion. Uh, that technically speaking wasn't the first play that we were in together. That's true. Because, okay, we'll, we'll kind of start at the beginning here. Caleb and Heather and I all got into our improv group the very same semester. Yep. And like I'd already worked a little bit with Heather before, so I had kind of a sense of, you know, how she was on stage. But I kept being like, man, eventually one of these days I have to be in a play with Caleb. And that chance came when later that year, Caleb's wife was directing a play for her senior <laughs> capstone. Uh, Caleb was not cast in that play. I was cast in that play along with Thomas and Heather. Uh, it was two performance nights. And the second day was when Thomas and Heather's oldest child decided that he wanted to make his entrance into the world. So while they were in the hospital, Caleb stepped in to take over for Thomas. And so that was the first play that Caleb and I were in together. That's true. <laughs> How funny. That was wild. But the first time we were cast in a play together was the following year in Northanger Abbey. I played James Moreland, the brother of the female lead. My role in the play was to be a kind of morality figure of how you shouldn't give up your heart frivolously because you, you get your heart broken if you go for the wild women, you know? <laughs> uh, not a, the most meaty of parts. But okay, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward to preparing for this campaign. I was like, I should probably actually watch Pride and Prejudice all the way through from beginning to end so I can have some context for the show. And finally, I was like, okay, when you watch the whole thing all at once, you kind of understand what the point of the whole thing is. Because like a lot of my experience with watching these shows in bits and pieces was like, this is so absurd. There's all these weird customs and rules and stuff. And then I was like, oh, wait, that's the point. It's a commentary on the absurdity of courtship. Mm -hmm. that, that was the moment when it all kind of clicked for me. <laughs> Uh, I watched the Kiara Knightley version. I'd initially been like, I should watch the Colin Firth version because that's the one that my sisters and my mom really liked. And then I was like, I don't have five and a half hours to watch this this weekend. Uh, so I watched the Kiara Knightley version instead and it was quite good. So I finally like started to put together the bits and pieces, but I am still uh, just to be antagonistic about this and to fulfill the Muppet side of the equation. I'll be digging up a bit of my prior dislike of Jane Austen just to keep things exciting for you folks. So those are some of my experiences with these properties. 
Uh, let's pass it on over to Caleb then. What you got to say about these things? Man, so much. Uh, Ned, the five and a half, six hour BBC version is the superior recording of that show of Pride and Prejudice. So at some point, Heather doesn't agree with me. I see the face, but that's the best one out there. So at some point, Ned, you got to commit and watch it because it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, boy, I actually didn't watch it growing up. I only really started to get more into Jane Austen after I met Rachel in college, and she was introducing me to all the classics that I had missed. But you know what classics I did grow up on? Absolutely were the Muppets, especially top two for me, Muppet Treasure Island and A Muppet Christmas Carol. Honestly, those two things might be the best and superior adaptation of those IPs, respectively. Like, I think they just do them so well. When the Muppets do anything, they do it such justice, and it's beautiful, and it's funny, and I love it. So that, yeah. In fact, this is a little uh, glimpse into my own dating life. The very first time I went to Rachel's parents' house to meet her parents, I had never met them before, but we pulled up and the very first thing that I saw is in like their laundry room window, or not the laundry room, it's like their little mud room area that goes from the garage to the house. In that window, they had stuffed animals of like all the Muppets stuffed into that window, all like looking out fervently out of this window at me pulling up in my car. And I thought, you know what? I think I found my people. This is a good place to be. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, Muppets are great. I can remember, I have memories way back to hanging out at, my, my dad and my uncle worked together in the same office for a very short amount of time. And I'd be hanging out with my cousins and we'd go and, you know, the dads were finishing up some work and we would be in like the little lobby area of the office building that they had. Nobody else was there. And we were like, we'd do like an hour-long dance party to songs from The Muppet Show. So those are some really good early Muppet memories as well. My favorite one was always the one about the worms, as sung by Scooter. It's a really good one. If you haven't heard it, look it up. But yes, Muppets are amazing. Jane Austen I got into later. I think I think one of the first things that Rachel ever showed me was Jane Austen's Emma, which is also a great show. There's a really good one that we watched. And there was something else. Oh, back to Northanger Abbey. That's the first and only time I've gotten to be in a Jane Austen play. And yeah, Ned was the good boy. He was the one showing you what you were supposed to do. I got to play the absolute cad, John Thorpe. He was the smarmy character. And man, that was so much fun. I loved just making everybody on stage and off stage extremely uncomfortable through that character. And my last thing that I will say is if I ever get the chance, someday I want to play a Jane Austen dad because the dads in Jane Austen are always just so relatable and so fantastic. I think she must have had a really good father. That is the one thing I do remember about uh, Sense and Sensibility from that class is we watched bits and pieces of the film adaptation. I just remember Hugh Laurie looking at a child with absolute (laughs) disdain. That's one of my favorite moments in that movie. (laughs) It's just Hugh Laurie. Oh, man. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, dude. One other thing about Northanger Abbey that I loved. So our characters, we were like friends from college or whatever, Mm -hmm. and we were going to Bath to see all of the grand things happening there. and there's this place there called the Pump Room. And <laughs> yes. so our our characters would be like, yes, we're going over to the Pump Room for a moment, which I think the whole thing with the Pump Room is it's like, it's a place where you would get like some of the natural spring water to drink or whatever. But we were like, what if the Pump Room's just a place where like all of these Regency dudes are going to get swole? <laughs> 
pump iron in the pump room. Yes. Just to get jacked. Oh, man. Absolute jacked. Yeah. Just pristine and powdered and going to the pump room to get swole. Dude, this, that's even great because so one fun thing that Caleb would do backstage is uh, every so often he'll just like drop down and do 20 push-ups just for the heck of it. <laughs> and so seeing Caleb just do 20 push-ups wearing a full like Jane Austen Regency tailcoat and everything is a pretty great sight. <laughs> well, let's pass it over to Heather then. What you got for us? Okay, so I just have to say this real quick. When you were talking about adaptations, I saw this meme a long time ago and it was just genius. They're like, okay, let's be real. Let's talk about Muppets and how we haven't seen them for a while. And why, oh, why have they not done Beauty and the Beast with Josh Groban as the Beast where everyone is a Muppet and he is just hideous as a human? <laughs> that would be amazing. The spell turned him into a greedy human. Like, And then at the end, he turns into a Muppet. I know. You're missing out, Disney. You're missing out. Um, one of my favorite things when I think of Muppet is just that song where it goes, Am I a Muppet or am I a man? Am I a man or am I a Muppet of a man? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With the Jason Seagal. Yes. <laughs> okay. So going on Muppets, I'm going to give you guys some like ammo to fire at me please be kind i i don't have thick skin but where muppets are concerned i actually only think i've watched one muppet movie um that wasn't like one of the cartoons and when i was younger i said i loved muppets and i knew muppets and everything because i thought sesame street counted as muppets so i'm like obviously they're their cousins so whenever people talked about muppets i'm like i love elmo <laughs> yeah well there's there's some dna there certainly they're both made by the jim henson corporation so yeah, yeah. in fact in fact uh in the very first muppet movie big bird makes a cameo that's right uh cuz you've got uh, Fozzie and Kermit are driving along to become big old movie stars and they pass Big Bird and they're like, hey, you want to come to Hollywood with us? He's like, no, thanks. I'm going to try and make a break in public television. Well, there you go. <laughs> so good. I mean, the other connection I have is the Rainbow Connection song. I mean, who doesn't have a connection to that song and Kermit? Mm -hmm. But the big, why I say, other than that whole Elmo thing, why I love Muppets is because I grew up on Muppet Babies. Mm. And I'm not talking about this new age Disney Channel Muppet Babies. In fact, I don't like it very much. I mean, it's fine, but no. it's not the Muppet Babies. The Muppet Babies, way back in the day when you had to like record your shows on VHS and stuff, you only got it like Saturday mornings, you know. Um, Gonzo was the man. Oh, yeah. Baby Gonzo. He was just the cutest thing. And it was always the Star Wars adaptation. <laughs> and I love Star Wars um, because my brothers did. And I wanted to be like them. And so seeing Gonzolo <laughs> save the galaxy oh, was man. like my favorite thing every weekend. And how he had to save Princess Leia Pig and Kermie Skywalker. It was just so wonderful every time. My grandmother had a VHS of a Muppet Babies adaptation of Labyrinth, oh. which was wild. Whoa. I had that one. Yeah. I had that growing up. Yeah. You and did? I watched that and I was like, 
Okay, I don't get this because I didn't know in Labyrinth, but I had that and watched it like religiously almost. Yeah, that's the only one of the Muppet Babies I've ever seen. Yeah, another nice little Jim Henson crossover. Yeah. With Labyrinth there. Oh, Muppet Babies, like some of my favorite episodes were the Star Wars one and then they did the um the Jensen's? No, what is that? The Jetsons? Jetsons. Yeah, that's Jetsons. They did the funnest cartoon adaptations as Muppet Babies. One of my favorite was Beauty and the Beast that they did. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so that's kind of my thing with Muppets. And this fun fill fact, I'm not really a Parks and Rec fan, but my husband is, so he made me watch them all. And I hate, hate, hate John Rolfio, but I love, love, love John Rolfio, right? Mm -hmm. His acting is just, it's like, how did you do that? And then Thomas told me that he said his inspiration was a Muppet. And that is how he got the character of John Raphael, was imitating a Muppet. And you can totally see it when he's like, the worst. And his like flinging head and hands, like you totally can see it. Good old Ben Schwartz. It was amazing. Um, Pride and Prejudice. So funny enough, Ned said, hey, Heather, I think you'd be perfect for this. And Thomas would be good too, but you'd be the first choice. The <laughs> funny thing is I have seen more Jane Austen films because of Thomas. <laughs> Thomas is actually the big Jane Austen fan. <laughs> oh, okay. Now it comes wow. out. Hey, it's not my turn yet. Uh, it's not my turn. So uh, <laughs> don't take my ammo for this ideation here. <laughs> I'm sorry, Thomas. I do love Jane Austen, but Thomas is like the big romantic between us. And so he's gotten me to watch a ton. And I will say he urged me to watch the long five, six hour version. And I was like, okay, I will because you've been asking me for eight years to watch it. So finally we watched it and I was not impressed. <laughs> um, I am on the side where I think the Kira Knightley version is better because I have not read the book. I heard that if you are a book lover, the old one is like more true to it. But I like the Kira Knightley version because I feel like Darcy's meanness comes through because it's actually, he plays it, the actor plays it as social anxiety. And I really like that. I think it's more relatable. Yeah. The prejudice came out of the anxiety of being with people not because he just thought he was better than everybody. Yeah, I think that's part of what helped me to finally get it this time watching through because I am an immensely socially anxious person. So I'm watching this and I'm like, man, I always felt like Darcy, you're supposed to hate Darcy the first time you see him, but I'm just looking at Darcy being like, man, I get you. I get where you're coming from with all this. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're like, this is my man. Right. Yeah, right here, being this guy, we know what's up. Right. So like watching the Colin Firth one, I was like, Yes, I do hate him. And even at the end, I still hate him <laughs> because I'm like, I think Elizabeth should run the other way still. Nothing is justifiable. Run, Lizzie, run. But I think the Kira Knightley version, he finds redemption. Anyways, I know that's neither here nor there. But Emma, I have been told my whole life that I am Emma. And I grew up on the Gwyneth Paltrow one. And I was so offended by everybody who said I was such an Emma because no one super loves Emma. They all pretend to love Emma and they don't love her. <laughs> Except for Mr. Knightley. And Mr. Knightley is my favorite mm. of all the men. All the Jane Austen. I love Mr. Knightley. But when we watched the 
Was it BBC, babe? Yeah, it was the three-hour BBC version. Yes. And maybe that's, that's the one you're talking about, Caleb. That's the one. It's, it's so good. We watched that and whew, blew my mind. I loved it. Yeah. That like made Emma really relatable mm -hmm. and like gave you her backstory of why she was the way she was and how she actually never really got to get out in society much because of her father. I love that. And I love Jane Austen, uh, Austen Land. I think that's one of the best shows and super funny. Right on. And then we come around to Thomas, who has some shocking revelations to drop <laughs> on us, apparently. Yeah, breaking news, everybody. Uh, no, I grew up watching um, period pieces with my mom just because I was obsessed with just television and movies. And when something was on, I was like, eh, I guess I'll watch it. <laughs> and that's where I developed my hopeless romantic senses from a very early age of... Uh, uh, watching Jane Austen films and uh, period pieces like that. I think some of the classic stories are quite fun. I'm not a fan of Persuasion necessarily, uh, although the new one that came out on Netflix, uh, that, one's, that one does a decent job because it takes a lot of creative liberties because the story is not that great. Anyway, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, period pieces that I enjoy, but I only really know Jane Austen. It's a ton of fun. I really liked um, Sense and Sensibility. First time I watched that was with Heather. And then, uh, but I watched a lot of Pride and Prejudice growing up. Um, and in high school, watching the Kira Knightley version, it really just kind of cemented to be, be like, yeah, this is cool. I really like this stuff. This is cool. Part of me liked it when I was younger because I felt like I was an adult and I was smarter than the, all, all the other kids. And I'm like, haha, they don't understand. They don't know. They don't know the intricacies of the English language mm. and uh, what they're actually trying to say here. Mm. A little pride and prejudice going on there. Yes, the prejudice. Oh, you don't know, but he actually said he hated her, uh, even though they're both smiling and um, things of that nature. So the haughtiness is what I really enjoyed as a younger kid. Maybe I still like that. I don't know. But yeah, it's it was it was uh, really fun to be able to introduce Heather to some of these other ones. As she mentioned, Emma really enjoyed that one. So Pride and Prejudice is pretty, uh, pretty like a core memory in my hopeless romantic self growing up. Surprisingly, Muppets is also a core memory for me as well. We had a lot of Muppets growing up, but a lot of the ones that I enjoyed were the Muppet Babies. I was, I think there must have been some sort of like dollar bin at Walmart for VHSs because my parents had a lot of Muppet Babies straight to VHS that I would just <laughs> pop in over and over again. And some of my favorites were the adventurer ones where they were like uh, Marco Polo and they were reenacting some of these uh, classic exploring the world uh, episodes and things like that. So I really enjoyed those ones. But yeah, just growing up on the Muppets and uh, they, I haven't seen all of the properties in the world, obviously, but the Muppets by far are in the top 10, if not top five list of being able to do parodies so well. They craft their material and media so well to parody. And it is, parody is one of my favorite genres to watch. Um, Community, the TV show, was one of my favorite TV shows that, for that reason, because they would parody a bunch of other like genres. Um, and the Muppets just do that so well with the guest starring and poking fun at some of the um, plot holes and uh, breaking the fourth wall. It was really where I started to develop my sense of humor as a child and uh, going into my teen years as well. So much so that when the new one with Jason Segal came out, uh, I went to 
the theater and I was literally, I had fallen onto the floor laughing with some of my other friends who were also <laughs> Muppet fanatics, um, just because it, we just were so tickled by how well they executed their parody. Um, fantastic stuff there. But yeah, Muppets and Pride and Prejudice, yeah, it's just some of the most staples. In fact, I'm listening to the Pride and Prejudice soundtrack right now, and it is very calming and soothing. And <laughs> I'm ready to be, I'm ready to be a little um, haughty, maybe mm. in this uh, campaign. We'll see. Very nice, Thomas. If I can share a very brief Muppet memory of you that I have, actually, this was like one of my first semesters in Comic Frenzy. I think we were playing director where you put different genres to a, you know, a scene that you're rehearsing for a movie or whatever is kind of the premise of the game. But one of the genres was Muppets. And I don't remember like any of the specifics, except I remember you like popping up from the background and somehow you made your face move so that your bottom jaw stayed still and the whole top of your face was flapping when you talked. And you were just like, did somebody order a banana cream pie? And I lost it. Like, <laughs> I hit the floor laughing. And I think I will forever remember just that brief shining moment. Yeah, what's interesting is that exact moment is the reason why I wanted Thomas to be in this campaign. I didn't <laughs> yes. know he was a huge Jade Austin fan. I just remembered he was an awesome Muppet from our days doing improv together back in college. Uh, but oh, how the turntables. <laughs> yes, yes. A lot of fun stuff. Very easy to do Muppets in a visual medium. Uh, audio, audio medium might be, well, we'll see uh, how it pans out. Yeah, well, now that we've got all of these ideas in our big pot of ideas, it's time to start putting our characters together. Let's go ahead and start with Caleb. You got any ideas for who your character is going to be? Oh boy, I, I really don't. I might need you to skip me and come back. All right. Let's start with Thomas. Thomas, what you got for us, my dude? So my character is going to be a um, established pillar for his town. The town, whatever it may be called, uh, he's going to be uh, come from a very uh, influential, not influential, but established family, a family that is known to be able to assist and give aid where needed, one that people go to, one that throws balls from time to time, does charity work, and where uh, when he or his uh, parents walk by, there's hushed whispers um, in the marketplace or in the streets talking about how many pounds a year they might bring to potential brides and things of that nature. My character is um, not the most handsome of gentlemen, but uh, you might even say he's a little kooky because he is a bear, <laughs> all right, furry, and uh, likes to wear his hat a little bit too tall and is basically a version of Fozzie Bear. Yes. <laughs> All oh, right. So. Yes. Fozzie Bear with a really, really tall top hat. <laughs> a little too tall. I didn't say like, uh, oh, what's the fairly odd parent guy? Dim Dim. Doug Dimadome. Oh, Doug the Dim Dimstale Dimadome. <laughs> yeah, Doug Dimadome. <laughs> Not astronomical heights. Uh, just a little bit, a little bit too tall from the people all around him. All right. So with all of this in mind, what do you think your character's high concept aspect is going to be? I'd say his high concept is he's always one to please, 
but hides some of his actual like humor and stuff like that. So always always aims to please, but never finding his comedic outlet. Yeah, so trying to think how to like condense this into an aspect. Yeah. The humble humorist. The humble humorist. <laughs> That's a good one. All right. And uh, do you have an idea of perhaps a name for your character, by the way? Um, I have an idea if you need one. I, I do need one. Uh, I was going to say Colonel Fozzie William. Yep. Colonel Fozzie William. Delightful. Fuzz William. Fuzz Fuzz William. (laughs) Colonel Fuzz William. There we go. Colonel Fuzz William. (laughs) Perfect. Colonel Fuzz William, the humble humorist. What's something that gets Colonel Fuzz William in trouble on occasion? Uh, His humor. Absolutely (laughs) his humor. Are we talking like inopportune times? Maybe jokes that are a little bit off color? What kind of uh, trouble with his humor are we looking at? Yeah. um, All all of it. Every time he makes a joke, it's the wrong time. It's the wrong setting. It's the wrong type of humor. He'll be at the funeral um, throwing rice in the air saying, congratulations, you know, <laughs> thinking it's a wedding and, th- you know, or things like that. So. All right. So uh, maybe his trouble is just that he can't read a room. There, yeah. Can't read a room. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to look at some suggestions that have come from our audience members in our discord. Uh, we had tons and tons of people offer suggestions for this. So many people that I probably can't name all of them, unfortunately. But here are some options that we're going to let you choose from. A group musical number is never not the answer. (laughs) It's time to light the lights or weird and peculiar and not to be trusted. Hmm. Well, that musical one is just sitting right in front of my face. and um, You gotta. I've already sung once on this podcast, so let's have that one. It's Yeah. Yeah, musical number is never not the right time. Says the guy who doesn't know how to read a room. There we go. There we go. Just makes the most thematic sense, I say. It's perfect. All right. Now, let's come up with a stunt for your character. Uh, a stunt can be something cool, uh, once per session, something cool that you can do, a unique ability, or it could be a cool piece of equipment that you have that can let you do something cool once per session. Money. <laughs> money is my stunt. Throw some money at it. Oh, man. So if if Charles Bingley brings in 5,000 pounds a year and Fitzwilliam Darcy brings in 10,000 pounds a year, how many pounds a year do you think Colonel Fuzz William brings in? He brings uh, 8 billion pesos a year. <laughs> He spends most of his time in Spain. Is that what we're saying here? No, they just uh, they just pay with pesos everywhere, oh, yeah. uh, and because of pesos, they just drop an uh, enormous amount of change. As a result, <laughs> they're they're literal wheelbarrows that have to be brought to all of their functions and shopping trips because nothing can be put in a pocket. So, um, yeah. All right, I think if that's not too unhinged. There. Yeah, I, I think we'll just call that stunt literal wheelbarrows of cash. There we go. Or money, money, money by the pound. Either one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, of your different approaches, uh, we'll let you fill those in at your leisure. Okay. But which approach is going to be your peak approach at plus three? I'm going to say uh, forceful. All right. <laughs> He's just very forceful in his comedy, or he wants to be at least. So that's uh, going to be his uh, peak approach there. Yeah. All right. Not okay. clever, not quick, but forceful. Forceful. Doesn't have good jokes, but he has a lot of them. Yep. Yep. Perfect. I agree. All right. This gives us a good idea of who Colonel Fuzz William is going to be. Uh, perhaps let's pop over to Heather now. Wonderful. So, um, my name is, um, Miss Cadence. (laughs) I can't really talk a lot about myself. 
um, other than to say that when I was born, it came at an inopportune time for my parents. (laughs) And uh, they had some big thing planned. And my mother was very, very upset because it was her night, her time to shine in the light. And I came instead. And so one of her friends had to take her spot. In fact, my last name is Cadence and my first name is Mist. Um, People think I say Miss and I let them think that. It's Mist Cadence, meaning Miss Time. So that's unfortunate when people find out. Um, So I just go by Miss or Missy. Sometimes Cadence. (laughs) Miss Cadence works. Um, So when you look at me, I have a very, very long neck. And my lips are rather big, which is also unfortunate. And I just can't get timing down for anything. (laughs) I always seem to have wrong timing. And I feel like that's a curse (laughs) from when I was born. Like that, Miss Timing. It's just unfortunate. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I don't mean to like interrupt this podcast. Anyways, so I have long blonde hair. My skin is a bit on the violet side. (laughs) And I have a very, very long neck. As I said, (laughs) that also gets me, like, being way up there when your body's way down here, um, that's hard for time as well. Because I see time in a different light up here. But down my watch says it's noon, and up here it looks a lot darker. (laughs) Um... What else would you like to know? (laughs) Are you a brontosaurus? (laughs) I am now. Okay. That's not what I pictured, but it is now my poor parents. Okay. Miss Cadence, the brontosaurus. (laughs) Your poor mother. Wow. All right. Okay. Uh, With all this in mind, what do we think is a nice uh, sort of elevator pitch, high concept aspect for Miss Cadence? Well, I would say I am profoundly unromantic (laughs) that I just go into a room and I'm like, why are all these women dogging that man? Just let him alone. Right? (laughs) Right? Like, I prefer social situations that are solo. All right. We'll call you uh, the solo socialite, maybe. That's exactly what I say. Yeah. That's beautiful. All right. What's something that gets Miss Cadence in trouble on occasion? Other than the time issues, I think that would be how I call things like I see them. And I can see everything from up here. So (laughs) I leave out no details. Nice. Calls it like she sees it. Now let's look at some audience suggested aspects for you to choose from. First... Am I a man or am I a Muppet? (laughs) That was suggested by one of our friends on the Discord. They knew me. Yes. The second one is manner schmanners. And the third is flirt like the family estate depends on it. (laughs) I love that one. That's a good one. Oh, man. Those are really difficult. That's a really good Um, one. Like, so wonderful. I mean, all three of them were wonderful, but I'm looking at the, am I a Muppet or a man? Because I literally said that in my in my thing. Um, or flirt like the family estate depends on it. <laughs> I think the flirt like your family estate depends on it. That's a very funny juxtaposition there. Yeah, the solo socialite, <laughs> but her family estate depends on it, so she's got to flirt. 
All right, and then finally, let's look at a stunt for you. Something once per session that you can do that's cool and unique, or perhaps a cool piece of equipment that you have. I give a very, very mean stare. (laughs) I can have the best stare off and not blink for literally seven minutes and 36 seconds. This is a true story. (laughs) All right. Wow. I'll call that stunt seven minutes and 36 seconds. Not seven minutes in heaven. That's That's what I was thinking, dude. (laughs) Heaven, looking into my eyes. Thank you. Yes, exactly. You got to look up real high. Crane your neck for that one. All right. And then of your approaches, uh, which one do you think is going to be your plus three? Ooh, I'm not sure she... (laughs) A quick brontosaurus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gotta go fast. Gotta go fast. Oh, I don't know. Ned, help me out here. What do you think it would be with what I've explained? Mm, I think she calls it like she sees it. I could see that being forceful or maybe clever. If you want it to be like you're very blunt and kind of uncharismatic, I would go with forceful. But if you want it to be like you are the sneaky court jester who can get away with insulting the king, I would go with clever. I see her as like the awkward doesn't realize she's being blunt. Mm -hmm. So is that forceful or clever or careful? Not careful. Quick. (laughs) She's quick. She's quick. All right. Speedy Brontosaurus. Gotta go fast. Quick to jump to assumptions and stuff. Ah, yes. Quick to judge. Quick in the mind. All right. So that is Miss Cadence. Now let's pop over to Caleb. Got your character figured out? I do. Thank you guys for going first. I needed a little bit of inspiration. Indeed, the family estate does depend on how Miss Cadence does. She needs to attract a man who brings in as many pounds or pesos per year as possible. But she needs somebody alongside her, somebody who is going to help her Even if that is begrudgingly, even if this person blames her for all of the woes in their life, uh, I think I have decided to be Miss Cadence's mother. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The classic overbearing mother from a Jane Austen novel. I know I said I wanted to play a Jane Austen dad. Well, I'm I'm getting close. (laughs) We got to go with mom. Um, If you were to look at her... Cadence is the last name, and so her her first name is Janice, Miss Janice Cadence. She's a Muppet who is mostly lips, maybe some large eyelashes in there, and long blonde hair falling over her beautiful bright orange face. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she is uh, constantly following. What did you say she likes to go by? Was it was it Missy? Yes, Mom. Yeah, so uh, you gotta attract that Fuzzy William man. I mean, uh, Fuzz, Fuzz William. Sorry. It'd be really great if you could, you know, attract him and we could get some money. Anyway, that's that's what she's going to be like. And yeah, okay, so high concept aspect for her. Uh, I want something to go with mother. The misguiding mother, maybe? Mm. Yeah, because she, she wants to be helpful. Um, misguided mother? What am I thinking here? The, the well-intentioned mother? The well-intentioned mother? I know mother. it's not alliteration is okay. the problem, though, because we, we've got a very strong alliteration vibe going with our high-concept aspects so far. We do. I think I, I need to go with the alliteration right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the malicious mother. Malicious mother. <laughs> I do like that because, as stated by Heather, I mean, this is... She stole my time in the spotlight. My life would have been very different if you had just waited a day to be born, for Pete's sake. <laughs> um... 
I think I'm going to go with the maligned mother, actually. Ooh, that is very good. As far as her trouble, she is mostly mouth. So I'm, <laughs> mostly mouth? We, we might just go with that, mostly mouth. Mm-hmm. She can blab a little bit too much. Got a lot to say about her daughter. The mostly mouth maligned mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are there any audience suggestions starting with M? Uh, this one includes an M. It is no money and no prospects. <laughs> the other ones that uh, we have for you is I'm not half bad. I'm all bad. <laughs> Or irresistible when sopping wet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Janice. Oh, boy. I think we're going to go with the family estate depends on getting this money. I think I'm going to go with no money, no prospects. All right. And then let's get you a stunt. Something cool you can do once per session or a piece of equipment you can use once per session. Hmm. I don't know. I, I guess they don't really carry purses around or anything to whack anybody with. Uh, you got your tail. That's, that's right. That's right. No, I think you're just a brontosaurus. That was a, I, I'm a regular Janice looking Muppet. It's like a Stuart Little situation here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Mom, totally human. Child, totally different species, right? Yeah. Except somehow she bore me, but. Yeah, some kind of magic. Exactly. It was a really bad day. Well, I mean, just because you don't have any money doesn't mean you can't fill a purse full of rocks and hit people with it. <laughs> I think, I think that's what I'll do no money no prospects but uh she's gonna have the purse and she can just we'll call it absolute knockout chan is going from the streets here (laughs) (laughs) if needed you know to escape awkward situations yeah she can just swing that little purse of hers and knock somebody out all right i did have a principal who had a purse with a brick in it. What? Wow. And he would always say, don't make me get my purse out. Okay. All the time. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> that's a vibe. It was a knockout <laughs> purse. All right, and then last thing we need from Mrs. Janice Cadence is uh, what your plus three approach is going to be. Let's see, we've got a lot of forceful people around. I did change mine to careful, Ned. Oh, you did change it to so, careful. Oh, okay. Okay. Quick didn't make sense. Let's see. She's probably pretty forceful. She could also be flashy, despite having nothing. A little ostentatious. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with flashy. All right. Well, we have here three characters figured out. As far as actually getting into the story, we've been we've been going on a little bit longer with this uh, ideation and character creation than we usually do. Perhaps, uh, I think that might be where we call it for this episode, and then we'll pick up next episode with actually getting into the story, figuring out what's going on with these three individuals. Nice. Sounds good. So yeah, that's where we'll pick up next time. Well, listeners out there in podcast land, we're in for a treat and a half in this upcoming episode to see, (laughs) oh boy, we've got some wild characters here. That's like one of the things I... If you look at Lizzie and Darcy, they're kind of like, we're going kind of against the whole social grain thing here. And all of our characters are going against the social grain in some pretty major (laughs) ways, it looks like. So it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. Well, everybody, thanks for listening to Improv Tabletop. We'll be back next week with more adventures in the world of Pride and Prejudice and Puppets. If you want more, go and subscribe. Maybe even give us a review. We would be as happy as a mother who would have gotten her chance in the spotlight if you go ahead and give us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. 
We're also all over social media at Improv Tabletop. So if you'd like to connect with us there, you know, maybe you want to talk to me about more of our prior experiences with Comic Frenzy, reminisce about the good old days, and don't be afraid to reach out. Now it's time to shout out our next batch of Sticker Club patrons. Yeah. The people that we're shouting out this week are... Tetraslash, Thomas Ryan, and Tim Rust. Hey! Thomas Ryan, oh, what a goon, what a goofball. Just a dastardly <laughs> fellow. Dastardly fellow, yes. These three, uh, Thomas Ryan is the cad, the John Wickham, as it were. Jack Wickham? <laughs> John Wickham? The Wickham, which, whichever one it is. Wickham. Yes, he's, he's the dastardly cad, and Tetraslash and Tim Rust are his friends who are trying to rein him in a little bit so that he doesn't break all the ladies' hearts here mm-hmm. in uh, Muppetin. Yeah, that's going to be the name of this town. Why not? Muppetin. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have more Sticker Club patrons to shout out next week. And if you want to join their ranks, dear listener, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash improv tabletop, where you can also get things like Discord access, biannual sticker packs, and more, such as our current ongoing patron-exclusive campaign, Dumbledore's Delinquents. Yeah. It is wild. <laughs> it is crazy time over there. It's delinquent. Yep. There's a whole bunch of crazy stuff going on as we uh, dissect the beloved Harry Potter franchise with a steamroller. Go over there if you want to figure out what I mean by that. Now, let's do a quick round of plugs. First thing I'm going to plug is we'll give our once monthly mention to our affiliation with Fanroll Dice. If you go to fanrolldice.com, they've got all kinds of cool dice over there. And if you use coupon code VroomVroomFifi, you can get 10% off your order. And a little bit of that will come back our way, which is cool, cool, cool and great. Vroom, vroom. We also have our sister podcast, iCast Fireball, Woo! which is a D&D 5e actual play going through the campaign Tyranny of Dragons. That one is DM'd by a huge Jane Austen fan, it turns out. What? <laughs> We're getting real close to our first campaign finale over there and we're uh, getting ready for campaign two got all kinds of cool ideas in the hopper but you're not going to get any spoilers over here you're gonna have to wait like everybody else and the other thing i'm gonna plug a couple other things one is uh i remembered during the course of our recording is there was one particular pride and prejudice adaptation that my sisters watched that i did find to be intriguing it's the bollywood adaptation mm-hmm. it's called bride and prejudice which i hear is actually one of the best adaptations of it surprisingly yeah i don't remember too much from it because i was too busy playing uh mario and luigi partners in time to uh get too much of the details <laughs> But I will say that their interpretation of Mr. Collins, Mr. Coley, he is pretty great. He is very funny. That is one thing I did appreciate from that adaptation very much. The other thing I'm going to plug before we wrap this up is a show called Puppet Up. So I discovered this on Adam Savage's YouTube channel. Adam Savage is the guy from Mythbusters. Mm. Uh, He does a lot of stuff over on his own YouTube channel these days. And recently he visited the Jim Henson offices and did a whole bunch of cool stuff with them. And one of the things he got involved in is their live improv show, Puppet Up. No way. Yeah. So part of the history behind this is when Jim Henson created the Muppets, he was really big into finding actors who could ad lib. Mm -hmm. And he 
had this belief that like you can teach a good ad libber how to do puppetry, but you can't teach a good puppeteer how to do ad lib. And then eventually someone came along and was like, wait, Mr. Henson, that's comedy improv. You can teach people how to do it. We do it all the time. <laughs> and so what they did was they started this live puppet show, Puppet Up, improvised puppetry so that they could keep all of their puppeteers up and running on their improv skills so that they would be able to perform better while they were actually filming for their shows and whatnot. So like if you go to puppetup.com, they have clips uh, from their shows. Um, one thing that they mention is it is uncensored. Uh, this is kind of the Muppets after hours sort of special, <laughs> which, you know, is not too uncommon for a lot of live improv out there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you want to get some Muppet improv and you just can't wait for the next episode of Improv Tabletop, go check out Puppet Up. <laughs> wow. Well, thanks everybody for joining us here in the world of Pride and Prejudice and Puppets. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and I've been joined by... Caleb Anderton is the maligned mother man. <laughs> um, missed cadence. And Thomas with a bunch of pesos. <laughs> Much love and stuff, everybody. We'll catch you next time on Improv Tabletop. How, how do you feel about that, Thomas, that uh, Heather was Ned's first handhold? Uh, I feel great. I feel fantastic about it. No, we, we hadn't even started dating. Totally kosher. <laughs> it's all good. And it's theater.